Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com haunted. I'll see you there. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. How many of you truly believe in the ghost stories you're told? The answer may surprise you. Many people do. Yours truly included. And there are plenty of haunted hotels in America that will give you a scare. Whether you're looking for a thrilling experience or want to check out some of the most haunted places in the country, these hotels are definitely worth a visit. So, if you're up for it, throw some gas in the car, grab a train ticket, hop on a plane, hell, hitchhike if you have to. Wait, no, don't do that. That's probably really dangerous. However you choose to travel, you're going to need a place to crash. Why not stay over at what is arguably the most haunted hotel in the world? Any big hotels have scandals. Just like every big hotel has a ghost. Why? People come and go. Every once in a while, one of them will leave this mortal coil in the very spot you've just laid your suitcase. Heart attack, stroke, foul play, something like that. Hotels are superstitious places. Do you believe in ghosts? Join me on a journey through America's dark and haunted past as we explore the ghost stories and folklore that have been passed down for generations. What scares you? Let's find out. I'm Christopher Feinstein. 
and this has haunted American history. Oscar Stanley was an American inventor, hotelier, entrepreneur, and freelance architect. School children used the Stanley practical drawing set, and photographers used photographic plates, making him a multi-millionaire. He created the Stanley Motor Carriage Company with his twin brother. At the same time, the Stanley Steamer could reach 127 miles per hour, making it the fastest vehicle on Earth. Given F.O. Stanley's dire prognosis of tuberculosis, his doctor suggested fresh air, sunlight, and good nutrition in hopes that he could enjoy his last few months at least. Despite the long journey from Massachusetts, he and his wife decided to head for the Rocky Mountains. Even when September came, the month the couple planned on bringing his body back for burial, Stanley was healthy enough to hike five miles a day, having found a new lease on life in Estes Park. This enchanted him and became an annual summer destination from then on. He looked like The Walking Dead when he first stepped foot in Colorado. At 5'11", which was quite tall then, he only weighed 118 pounds and had one foot in the grave. He recovered from his illness four years later and was in the best shape of his life. In fact, he lived to be 91 years old. However, the Stanleys were tired of living on their current accommodations due to their rugged lifestyle. Recovery did not stop them from returning to this healthy environment. As a result, he built the famous Stanley Hotel in 1907 to turn Estes Park into a resort town. He also built a hydroelectric plant in the mountains so the hotel could run entirely on electricity. Every room in the hotel was equipped with a telephone, a rarity back then. The Central Hotel and Concert Hall were both finished in 1909. Guests arriving by train were taken to the Stanley by mountain wagons, specially designed steam-powered vehicles designed specifically to bring guests to the Stanley Hotel. Though central heat was added in 1979, the hotel retains its original charm for the most part. The Stanley Hotel National Register Historic District comprises 11 structures, including the main hotel, concert hall, carriage house, manager's cottage, gatehouse, and the lodge. This is a smaller bed and breakfast, originally christened Stanley Manor. The 1970s weren't kind to the Stanley Hotel. Its grandeur had faded, the competition had brought more modern amenities, and its reputation as being haunted only brought in a few guests. But in 1974, it was granted a second chance when horror author Stephen King and his wife checked in for the night. Little did they know that their stay would become legendary, launching King into stardom and granting the Stanley a reprieve from the Wrecking Ball. Stephen and Tabitha were staying in Boulder when King was developing his novel, Darkshine. The locals recommended Estes Park as a good spot for inspiration. So, out of curiosity, the Kings decided to visit the Stanley Hotel. It just so happened that they were the only guests that night, as the place was about to close for the season. They dined in an empty room with chairs on every table except theirs. Tabitha went back to their room, number 217, while King decided to explore the hallways and listen to canned music coming from an unknown source. The remote and desolate Stanley Hotel had Stephen King's imagination buzzing. He felt as though God put him there for a purpose, to allow his creativity to flourish. Later on, speaking of the night he dreamt up The Shining, King recalled, I had this dream about my three-year-old son running through the corridors, eyes wide and screaming, pursued by a fire hose. I woke up in a cold sweat, nearly falling out of bed. 
To calm myself down, I lit a cigarette and stared out at the Rocky Mountains. By the time the cigarette was done, I knew The Shining would be born. Kubrick's 1980 film adaption of The Shining set in room 237, a non-existent room requested by the Timberland Lodge in Oregon where exterior shots were filmed, was a game changer for horror films. But unfortunately, Stephen King was not a fan. Jack Nicholson's brilliant portrayal of Jack Torrance undoubtedly captures the character's fatal temperament. However, it could be said his depiction of transforming from stable to unstable happened too quickly. Also, Wendy was portrayed as a submissive weakling, and Shelley Duvall suffered through grueling scenes, which goes against King's writing of strong female characters that are found throughout his works. In 1996, King, along with Warner Brothers, produced Stephen King's The Shining, a miniseries written by King himself. King ensured that filming occurred at the Stanley Hotel, where his story began. The Stanley's basement now contains a playhouse version that adorned the lawn of the Overlook Hotel in the series. The Stanley Hotel has been called the Disneyland for ghosts. It has hosted countless paranormal investigations, including those conducted by teams from Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters. With the Stanley Hotel's Ghost Adventure package, guests are given a room on the fourth floor, along with ghost hunting equipment and a mug with the famous message, Red Rum. Many of the hotel's rooms have experienced ghostly occurrences. The Stanley Hotel has shadowy figures, eerie laughter, flickering lights, and items that move independently. You can find a cleaning staff member if you get too spooked. Ghosts apparently hate vacuum cleaners. When people vacuum, the machines go haywire and turn off, or the plugs fly out of the wall. No real woman is in the bathtub, but that does not mean that the room's not haunted. Even though the Overlook Hotel and its characters are fictional, Room 217, where King stayed in and was most prominent in the novel, remains the Stanley's most requested accommodation. No woman can be found in the tub, but that doesn't mean it isn't haunted. During a large storm in 1911, Mrs. Wilson, the lead housekeeper, was lighting lanterns in room 217, when there was an explosion that sent Elizabeth blasting through the door into the McGregor dining room below. Surprisingly, she only suffered from broken ankles and now spends her afterlife tending to the room. Visitors have reported items being mysteriously moved, their luggage unpacked, and lights switching on and off. Mrs. Wilson's old-fashioned values mean she objects to unmarried couples sleeping together. Some have felt a cold force split them apart during the night and woken up to find that the man's belongings have been packed with his suitcase by the door. When filming took place at the Stanley Hotel in the film Dumb and Dumber, Jim Carrey stayed in room 217. He reportedly got so spooked that he ran from the room, half-naked, in the middle of the night. The stunning staircase between floors in the hotel lobby has been dubbed the Vortex. It is a tornado of spiritual energy, a paranormal portal that all the ghosts who visit the hotel use. A number of guests had reported feeling cold spots and dizziness on the stairs, as though something had walked right through them. Orbs and distortions have also been captured on camera. On the grand staircase, Mr. and Mrs. Stanley have been seen watching over the bustling chaos. The concert hall was built by F.O. Stanley as a gift to his wife, Flora. The stage features a trapdoor used for theatrical entrances and exits. A two-lane bowling alley once lived on the lower level. Despite extensive repairs and renovations, Flora Stanley has been known to play the piano until the wee hours of the morning there. Paul, a spirit fond of the concert hall, 
was responsible for enforcing the 11 p.m. curfew in the hotel's early days. Guests and employees report hearing him tell them to stay out of the concert hall after 11. In the middle of the night, a construction worker was working on the floors in the concert hall when he felt someone nudge him several times until he left. Paul also enjoys flickering the flashlights of the tour groups. The fourth floor is often filled with children running around, laughing, giggling, and playing. The closet doors tend to open and close on their own. In the past, the entire fourth floor was an attic, and later on it housed the female employees, children, and nannies. Could the twins from The Shining be more than King's macabre fantasy? Room 428 is known for its spooky tales, especially of the friendly cowboy who appears at the corner of the bed. It's thought that this might be Jim Nugent, who often greets female guests with a ghostly kiss. Although many cowboys have stayed there, history can't confirm his death in the hotel, but his presence will always cause a stir. The Stanley had an outbuilding where large blocks of ice were stored before indoor refrigeration. Two spirits have been seen in the ice house that contains some of the original Stanley steamer cars and has been remodeled into a museum. The ghost of a shy child appears blurry in photographs peeking around corners from time to time. Outside the Stanley Hotel was an actual pet cemetery long before King wrote the novel. Two beloved pets are entered here, frequently appearing around the hotel. There have been countless sightings and sounds of Cassie, a golden retriever, and Comanche, a fluffy white cat roaming the grounds of the hotel. On the 75-minute historic Stanley night tour, you can delve deep into the underground cave system beneath the hotel. It boasts a high density of limestone and quartz, which they say can capture paranormal energy. Employees have used these tunnels to get around, so obviously one still lingers there. The tunnel is also said to be pervaded by the smell of baked goods, despite no source. It is suspected this comes from the former pastry chef who worked at the Stanley's upon opening. Additionally, an unknown gray cat with alarmingly green glowing eyes has been sighted prowling through. He reportedly didn't hail from the pet cemetery, making one wonder where he came from and where those tunnels once led. The hotel once had a long driveway for Stanley steamers and a promenade so that guests could take in the views. But then in 2015, it was changed to a hedge maze. 300 submissions were entered for the design competition, and the winner was chosen to link the hotel to Stanley Kubrick's famous interpretation of The Shining. Stephen King's novel featured topiary animals on the Overlook Hotel lawn, whereas no such ghosts have been reported within the Stanley maze. People tend to report feeling panicky and struggled breathing as they attempt their way through it. The Stanley Hotel is a must-visit for all kinds of guests. Ghost hunters, horror fans, thrill-seekers, health buffs, and even nature admirers. People don't need to stay overnight to explore the offerings. Sightseeing tours are available daily. Within each of the hotel's restaurants, bars, museums, or spas is an unforgettable experience. Thanks to one of the world's most renowned authors, it was reinvented after death and now graces lists of the world's most haunted hotels. Those daring enough to visit it will be welcomed with open arms. And maybe the Stanley isn't for you, and you're looking for some other kind of accommodations while visiting Colorado. In 1890, the affluent Prussian Count James Portales ventured west to construct a casino. After an accidental fire and collaboration with Spencer and Julie Penrose, 
the original site eventually became the Broadmoor Hotel. As Spencer was frequently away on business, speculation arose of an affair between Julie and the Count, who continually occupied the penthouse suite. One day, Julie mysteriously went missing in the woods and was found in the nude in a disoriented state, and soon after died from unknown causes. Her puzzling demise has meant Julie's spirit remained at the Broadmoor Hotel until this day, working in the same lodge she did many years ago. The staff of this Colorado haunted hotel all note peculiar occurrences such as lights flickering, frigid temperatures, and objects shifting. A woman in a long gown has been spotted hovering down the hallways, and guests in the penthouse become aware of a sense of fear following them. Julie is known for tugging off bedsheets and seizing sleepers by their ankles, which would undoubtedly aliven Count Portalese. The hauntings have benefited the Broadmoor's success which you could say was precisely the Count's intention. Hey there, folks. I'm stopping here in the middle, because obviously I want to just say thank you to everybody like I normally do. This is becoming a trend. I also want to talk about the last episode I put out, not the folklore episode, the original story. Well, it was folklore in that episode, but there was also the original story. And just by me, it's been a while since I told an original story. And that one... I, you could just hear it in my voice how much fun I had telling that story. And I love narrating stories. The folklore is fun. I love spreading, you know, talking about ghost stories and local places that people can go check out for themselves. But my bread and butter, what really butters my toast, if you, if you, if you will, is narrating original stories. So there's going to be a lot more of that coming. Probably going to put out one a week as well on top of the, the folklore stuff. Possibly two. Um, seclusion, again, the scripted show is coming at the end of the month, February 24th, and, uh, you know, that's obviously original, but there's a full cast, production, effects, it's immersive, immersive sound, I, I literally cannot wait for you guys to hear it, I'm not gonna play the trailer again, because for some reason the trailer comes out very low, and I don't understand why, because it sounds good on me, and I've tried everything to fix it, but I assure you, the show will sound great. Just recently, last week, I was on our buddy's uh, Hometown Ghost Stories podcast. They do a live show on YouTube, and they put it on, you know, the podcast comes out the following day, where we talked about the Borley Rectory in England, a little bit out of my comfort zone, because I'm usually talk more about American folklore, haunted American history, obviously. But that was a lot of fun, and I couldn't get over how much fun I had doing a live show. So I might try that out. Not here, though, on Zoning Out's feed. For those of you that are interested, you know, talk about Twilight Zone and movies and things like that. I think that's more of a better fit than doing it here. So if you're interested in that, head on over and check out Zoning Out. And uh, yeah, so let's, uh, let's keep this tour of Colorado going. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part? is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. 
I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Okay. So maybe you're sick of life on the road and you're looking for some more permanent housing. Well, the Central City Masonic Cemetery seems straight out of an old Western film. Despite the inherent eeriness of cemeteries, the Central City Cemetery is particularly eerily haunted. Overgrown with desert grasses, the graveyard sits atop a knoll overlooking Colorado's hillsides. Stepping into the cemetery, one can see why this is one of Colorado's most haunted. The grasses are tan, dry, and brittle. As a result of the gold rush that brought miners to Central City in the early 1860s, the cemetery was built with an outstanding view of the city. The mining industry brings injury and death, and many of the original miners are buried there in family plots. It was founded in 1859 as a mining town that turned into a gambling hotspot. Over the years, Central City has welcomed many colorful characters, some of whom remain under the hollowed grounds to this day. Despite being referred to as the richest square mile on Earth, its well of riches ran dry in the late 1800s. On the 6th of May, 1859, at the peak of Pike's Peak Gold Rush, John H. Gregory uncovered a load between Blackhawk and Central City in Gregory Gulch. Stimulated by this discovery, within two months, more veins were being found nearby, bringing hordes of people aiming to strike it rich. According to the 1900 census, there was a population of just over 3,100 living in this town. Then, in 1863, came union strife with frequent shootings. Inevitably, mining activity plummeted from 1900 to 1920, as all available gold had been extracted from the ground. However, the industry was briefly revived in 1930, only to be squashed during World War II when considered non-essential for combat operations. As the population of Black Hawk and Central City declined by 1950, nearly all residents left to pursue other prospects. They relocated to larger urban areas of Colorado. Today, Central City has roughly 100 residents still living. The overgrown cemetery is renowned for its ghostly lady in black and unexplainable bright orbs. According to tradition, the grave of John Cameron gets a special visit on November 1st each year. A woman wearing black is said to leave flowers at his headstone, but who she is and who he was remains a mystery. Despite the lack of knowledge surrounding John's life, it's clear he was cherished enough that someone mourns him even still. Rumors suggest he may have been an unfortunate miner who passed away underground. It seems his widow continues to pay tribute, leaving tokens of love from beyond the grave. 
In addition to the cemetery, Central City has a few other haunted spots around town that have been known to host ghosts. In the Lace House Museum, a house-turned-museum dated 1863, there are several very loud spirits. Visitors and staff have reported ghostly laughter at all hours, disembodied footsteps pacing the museum floor, and a shadow figure following guests around like a ghostly curator during their visit. Visitors have also reported demon-like growlings and giggles in the picturesque lace house during the night, which sends chills down their spines. The Gilpin is a haunted hotel and casino that is said to be home to a spectral woman named Lucille. But who is she? And what does she have to do with this historic building? During the 1800s, the Gilpin housed a one-room schoolhouse where Lucille Malone taught. Her life was cut short when she tragically committed suicide after learning of her boyfriend's death in a wagon accident outside the hotel. Although her passing was sorrowful, reports say she is usually seen as a harmless ghost who lingers around the second-floor restaurant. The restaurant inside the hotel pays tribute to Lucille, being aptly named Lucille Malone's. One documented story from the 1990s involved a man staying at the hotel at the time experiencing lights turning on and off, followed by pans and pots suddenly dropping from the wall. According to him, Lucille was making these noises to warn him about a fire that had broken out in the kitchen of that building. After getting into contact with a visitor to Central City and the Central City Masonic Cemetery in particular, this account was given. I had just gotten into town as part of a haunted road trip, so to speak, of the American Southwest and West. I visited a few spots in Colorado, but Central City was truly the creepiest. I don't scare easily, but walking onto the property of the Masonic Cemetery was like stepping into a portal. The air felt so heavy, reading each headstone felt like it took an eternity and my heart was racing the entire time I was there. I was taken aback by the overgrown grass covering the names of the dead buried there. So I stayed for a few hours, attempting to make contact with the spirits that remain, and just as I thought my efforts were in vain, I ended up with the name Paul. He said he had passed away after falling ill from being in the mines, breathing the dust and dirt. I know nothing else about him, and my research into his name was in vain, as I don't have a lot to go on. I ended up staying well past dusk, and let me tell you, the reports of orbs are legitimate. I saw at least four floating balls of light on my walk through the cemetery. I wasn't afraid of them, but they seemed to have minds of their own, floating with purpose. I would definitely visit again, and perhaps get in touch with this Paul gentleman once more. We are all feverishly chasing the American dream. Still, Central City itself is a ghost town in a different sense, home to historic haunts that have been resounding through the decades. Has anybody ever visited this historic mining town? Do you remember the cemetery? If you have, please reach out. And if not, I suggest you add it to your must-see list. Haunted hotels and cemeteries, there seem to be an abundance of ghosts hanging around the Rockies. I get it. If you're like me, you'll be looking to get the hell out of Dodge. Smart. I like where your head's at. Just make sure you don't end up on Riverdale Road because, well, you'll see. While driving along Riverdale Road, it may seem like any other road trip down any other road. Still, as the sun sets and the darkness creeps around you, the ghosts of the past begin to come alive. Your rear view mirror shows a single headlight approaching you, and within seconds, a black Camaro roars to your side. 
During the late 1970s, a speeding Camaro racing down the winding road lost control and crashed into a nearby tree. The driver was killed instantly, and one flickering headlight was found near the wreckage. In the following decades, random drivers have claimed to have seen a black Camaro flashing past them with a single headlight before disappearing around the bend. The black Camaro is believed to be egging on drivers to compete in a race to the death instead of a joyride. Many people have died racing the ghostly car around the same bend as the Phantom Driver decades ago. Pulling over and letting the Camaro pass is the best way to avoid it, but you may run into an angry spirit if you pull over near Joggers Hill. It has been reported that many drivers are forced to pull to the side of the road when their car suddenly begins to fail, attempting to lurch forward before it eventually dies. Immediately after you hear the footsteps approaching, a handprint will appear on your windshield followed by a violent pounding of ghostly fists hitting your car. A jogger out on a nighttime run was hit by a speeding car coming around a bend without paying attention. The unknown vehicle pulled over for a moment as the jogger lay dying, begging for help, only for his calls to be ignored as the driver sped off. When a car stops on the road, the jogger rushes to the car and places his hand on the windshield to get a better look at the driver before beating the car in anger. This is one of the many haunted or evil spots in the area. Rumor tells of the road being a meeting spot for those trying to conjure up the spirits of long-dead witches. The trees along Riverdale Road were once used to hang witches found using witchcraft. Their lifeless bodies were left swaying in the wind as a warning to others to not practice the craft. The police and other travelers have reported finding satanic symbols and ritual sites in abandoned structures all along the road and headless animals used to summon the devil or opened a rumored gate to hell. During the U.S. westward expansion in the 19th century, many families grouped together to make the treacherous trip out west. In addition to the government's promise of free land as long as it was used for farming, others were attracted by stories of gold discoveries in other states. It was almost certain death for few family members. Still, many didn't hesitate to make the journey, even after the gold rush changed hundreds of thousands of lives in 1849. David Walpert and 16 others took the trip in 1859 when they heard about the gold discovery in the Colorado Rockies. After not striking it rich, finally David gave up on the gold in 1863, after meeting Catherine Henderson. On January 20th, 1864, David built a house at 9190 Riverdale Road for his wife, and the two fell in love married, and settled there. David had welcomed something sinister into his home by the end of that year. Rumors began to spread that David had reached out to the supernatural to help him run his farm. As a result of poor luck, he had built an underground chicken coop a year prior. Still, the chickens often died before they reached maturity, and the crops withered before they were ready. Hearing the stories of witches once roaming the land, he began to think that the only way to ensure a healthy harvest would be to call upon the devil for assistance. He used his chickens as sacrifices, chanted the devil's words, and smeared their blood all over the walls and himself in the underground chicken coop, carving satanic and black magic symbols there. As the late night sounds began to attract neighbors and travelers, they crossed into David's land to see what was happening. David constructed a gate around his property to keep out prying eyes. Unable to afford the metal for a new entrance, he scavenged around for mostly used and old rusted metal. The devil agreed to make David a deal for a bountiful farm a day after he finished building his iron-rusted gate. That night, David Walpert set his home ablaze, 
trapping his wife and newborn son inside. As neighbors rushed to the scene, the fire engulfed the family, killing Catherine and the child. David was never heard from again. The burnt remains of the home stayed in the spot for several years before being torn down. Still, the gate David built before murdering his family remained up for almost a century. It attracted many people to the site from the story of a crazed man who burnt his family for the devil. Many claim if you crossed the gates during the night around the same time the family died, the air would become thick as the smell of fire engulfed you. The sounds of distant footsteps echoed through the darkness before a woman's tortured screams echoed in the distance from the abandoned home. As you stayed outside the gates, the surrounding lights became darker and the sounds of heavy breathing and dragging footsteps accompanied you. They say if you enter the site where the gate stood, you don't leave by yourself. Whatever entity lingers there followed them home. The death and rituals at this location thinned the walls between earth and hell, allowing a demon or evil spirit from hell to walk among us. Whatever it is, many agree it latches onto the living, giving this place a very appropriate nickname, the Gates to Hell. So as we venture into the eerie and haunted corners of Colorado, let us remember that some tales are meant to be whispered in hushed tones around a campfire, while others are meant to be explored in the light of day. Either way, the ghosts of Colorado will continue to keep their watchful eyes on the state, reminding us of its rich history and the spirits that still linger within its borders. And who knows, you might just run into one on your next visit. I'm Christopher Feinstein, and this is Haunted American History.